0: Hello and welcome, everybody, to episode 228 of Milwaukee's Tailgate Brewers Podcast, part of the MKE Tailgate Podcast Network. We finally have baseball, guys. Uh, Didn't think we'd maybe get to this point, at least this soon. I know I was of the mind that maybe it'd be, you know, like mid-May before it was a a possible reality. But here we are. Uh, It all came together in the last week, and, and suddenly... You know, spring training starting pretty much immediately. Uh, so we're going to break it all down. We're going to break down what's in the, po- uh, in the in the new CBA in this podcast uh, and, and all our thoughts on that. We got the whole crew here uh, today. So we've got Ryan and Paul both here. Anxious to to break down what I'm sure will be kind of a, a lengthy episode as we get into the nitty gritty here. But how are you guys doing this weekend?
1: I'm doing good. I did do a lot of driving the last, uh, like, 36 hours or so drove to lacrosse and drove back in mm-hmm. that amount of time but we did do taxes so that was good was able to get that done and taken <laughs> care of
0: any weekend where you can drive to lacrosse and back and do taxes yeah, great do weekend taxes.
1: well yeah i did take advantage of the opportunity to go to lacrosse and stopped at one of my favorite uh local microbrews, 608 and was able to pick up uh, nice. a bunch of that stuff and we'll be sharing that around with actually uh jay google so jay look forward to your uh uh your mr dream that is coming your way on uh, friday it's
0: nice some good stuff nice do i still have one of your bottles by the way ryan uh
1: yes you do (laughs) when i was going through taxes i saw that in our our transactions between us and i saw Ah, that i had yeah i had sent you the money for it so i think you still have it hopefully you still have it because i would like
0: to try that we we got it somewhere yeah absolutely you'll just have to let me know the next time you're in madison paul how are you doing
2: doing great i got to have corned beef yesterday which is really all i live for so <laughs> um, we, uh, we have a, uh, a Catholic church, like two blocks from our house and they put on a kick in Oktoberfest, uh, last year. And, uh, I am, I'm not Catholic. I'm a lapsed Catholic, like a lot of Irish people. Um, and their Oktoberfest was very non-churchy and I've been to a lot of Wisconsin, um, church, um, Uh, St. Patrick's Day festivals and summer festivals and things like that. And they tend to be not churchy also. They tend to be very much just this is a fundraiser for the church and we'll do outreach later and we won't bother um the hidden atheist in the crowd this this was this was not that um this was very 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 churchy and everybody's very nice um nothing wrong with that it it is a church function people are allowed to be churchy in church that's totally good um but but uh and and they had they had good beer they had jameson shots they did they did all the stuff right so no complaints their corned beef was delicious but uh it uh I i do feel like i paid for it a little bit so um but, but like I said, everybody, everybody was nice. It was good people. Just uh, I, I wandered into a church and didn't expect church, and that was stupid. So my, my bad there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I just love the line, people are allowed to be churchy in church. That's, that's, church. that's <laughs> yeah, fantastic.
2: I
0: mean, that tracks. That's, that's valid. But uh, at least you got some good corned beef out of the transaction. Indeed. Happy St. Totally St. worth it, by, by the way. Week.
2: Fantastic corned beef, and I would do it yeah. all again. So There we go. Good, it, good strategy, it, 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 honestly. Well done, church. <laughs>
0: If only they could bribe you with food every time, I guess, you know? Well, they do have those little wafers, James. That's true. That's true. All right. I'm going to hell. Uh, five minutes in. Uh, but anyway, let, let's get to the the real fun stuff here. The the baseball being back and, and all of that. But first, before we start, a reminder, patrons get question priority. We have a ton of Patreon questions this week. Uh, you can become a patron. You can sign up for as little as two bucks a month at patreon.com slash MKE tailgate. As we mentioned, you get pre- question priority here on this podcast, as well as the Packers reporting as eligible podcast. And I don't know, Paul, you might have to do another one with Tom Brady deciding
2: he's going to one up uh, Aaron Rodgers maybe. here. I don't like. I can't talk for an hour about Tom. Well, I can, but um, it was boring as <laughs> boring as all get out. So I don't think we're yeah. going to do that. But who's who's uh, the bigger schmuck now? I don't know. Tom you Brady know? is a secret huge schmuck. He just keeps it under wraps a little bit more. You know, he's just like a an annoying rich guy who he's like one of the baseball owners. It's like he has people that run (laughs) interference for him and he just shows up and does, um, normal rich guy stuff. He wears stupid Ugg boots and he has a, you know, rich, famous (laughs) wife slash girlfriend, whatever she, I forget. Um, (laughs) <laughs> uh, and he's he doesn't go on Pat McAfee and make a schmuck out of himself. He's like a Derek Jeter schmuck. He is, uh, yeah. you know, a more soft-spoken, generic, not that interesting schmuck. And that's what you should do if you're a rich person. Be boring, enjoy your life, and, you know, go about it like that. So this is a very this is a turn for him. This is, a, uh, I, I think, a smart turn. I think Tom Brady's a genius. The, the narrative's going to work really well for him here. This is definitely an, an I sense weakness in the NFC. And yep. can win another title here or at least get to a Super Bowl without too much trouble, which I think is correct. So um it's a it is a real you know gunslinger cutthroat move by him. So it'll it'll still work for him. It's not like Aaron just like waffling on, I don't know if I feel like playing or not. And then <laughs> I want to go be famous. And you know, that's different. So um schmuck, but a different kind of schmuck.
0: Yeah, and and the real calculation here is now Aaron Rodgers has to play for the Packers for two more years if he doesn't want to share stage with Tom Brady. So there you go, Uh, either that or Aaron Rodgers can decide to retire on the day of the NFL draft. And and yes, however, that that will
2: make him look like a coward. And I don't think he can, Mm. like, oh, he's retiring to avoid Tom Brady competing with him on this. Like, can't do it. Not going to work. See, you guys could do a whole podcast on
0: this. I look forward to it. I mean, that was
2: kind of it right there.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. All right. Well, whenever they do another podcast on the Packers side, whether it's after the NFL draft or Aaron Rodgers uh, becomes a coward and and retires immediately, uh, you can get question priority there as well. A reminder... Of course, as uh, in addition to that, five bucks a month, you get some extra content. If you're on that level, you get that minor league extra podcast with Ryan and James Anderson from Roto Wire. And, uh, you know, minor leaguers uh, have been in camp for a bit now. Uh, they'll have games coming up. So you will want to sign up for that as well. So as we mentioned at the top, uh, the reason probably all of you are listening to this to hear <laughs> our reactions to this. Right. Uh, baseball's back. So. Uh, You know, even in the last week, it was another round of those kind of touch and go negotiations. Right. And uh, even as optimism kind of built, it it was sort of like, you know, fool me once. We did this once or twice before in the the weeks before and ended up with nothing. But. Uh, they managed to kind of get a deal together. So uh, baseball will be back and not as delayed, I think, as anticipated. So, you know, as we record this on Sunday, the 13th, that was a mandatory report day for all of the major league players. And spring training games actually will start on Friday this week. So we don't even have that, you know, one or two week period where they're just kind of working out. It, it's going to be a quick ramp up here. So that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, In terms of the regular season, we'll also have the Brewers now opening the regular season at Wrigley Field against the Cubs on April 7th. So that should be interesting. Uh, The Brewers, of course, kind of missing out on uh, that opening series against the Diamondbacks that was originally scheduled. I think it was also the series against the Giants that will have to be rescheduled as well. Uh, so we'll get into the, all the scheduling things, but basically, yeah, what you need to know: April seventh, new opening day at Wrigley against the Cubs. Home opener April fourteenth on Milwaukee Day, uh, four fourteen. First pitch will be four fourteen. They're really going all in on the four fourteen business. <laughs> love, it, <laughs> love it, love it. Uh, so that'll be the Cardinals there, and uh, so yeah, that that's kind of like where we're sitting now. So I guess let's just start with that. Um, you know, Ryan, I know. As, we, as I mentioned there, the Diamondback series, kind of a bummer to miss out on an easy series off the bat there. But are you happy with the schedule or are you kind of concerned about how they're going to have to make up some of these games?
1: Yeah, I mean, first off, just very happy to be back. That's That is the primary right. thing. And it sucks, though, that the Brewers are taking probably one of the worst hits on this of any team in baseball. Most of the teams that were playing in that opening week played at least one, if not two, division opponents. And that makes it real easy to reschedule those doubleheaders because teams are coming back two and three more times to those venues. The Brewers opened with two teams from the NL West. So not only are they on the other coast, so it's not like they're, they're, they're in not in the division. So they're, this was their only trip to Milwaukee. They're also 2,000-plus you know, miles away. So trying to schedule these things and get those games in Milwaukee, I don't know that it's going to be possible. As we record this, they still haven't said exactly what they're going to try to do here. But I've told my season ticket group that I have to expect that we're not going to get 81 home games. That we're going to be playing some of our home games on the road. I think we're probably going to get stuck with both uh, the the Diamondbacks and Giants series. In I think one of them in July and the other one's in September. Uh, both of those are four game series, and we're going to be playing home games at those stadiums. And I I think that's pretty much unavoidable at this point. Maybe they'll find a way to get one of those teams in here on a mutual off day when they happen to already sort of be in the area. But I I don't even know. I have not looked at the schedule, didn't try to figure this out, but that's going to be a pain in the butt. And so the Brewers are going to have to bear the brunt of this. They're going to lose home games in all likelihood, and they're going to i mean i'm sure they will find ways to make the revenue of this work the way it's supposed to for (laughs) ownership because they always are good about that but it 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 does suck from that perspective that we're probably going to be losing home games
2: that it does it's uh it's something to complain about later Uh, that's something we can talk about is conspiracy theory later so that's all also fun (laughs) but uh it it does suck i mean i'm sure we're not the only team in such a situation uh, there's not many of them but there's probably a few of them but sometimes that happens and uh you know when when you're in a situation like this where games can be lost altogether or season, season has to shorten somebody's going to take it and that's going to be the Brewers probably I think ryan's right I perused the schedule and it I just don't see how it's possible to um to fit them in uh they're, they're long series like it's just kind of a Uh, you know it's one thing if you've got a a short series against somebody who can just jaunt in for a day or even a double header it it just it's distance plus huge long series and that makes it extra hard to fix um uh, i mean maybe they'll get creative and split them up into a bunch of smaller stuff but there's only so many times you can do that too you need you need days for other team rainouts and crap like that and uh it's gonna be it, it is unfortunate but you know what when it's all said and done it's not that big a deal because we play in the national league central which is um, just a bigger advantage Thresh. than than anybody else is getting. So it's all good. it's all good. <laughs>
1: that is true. Absolutely. We have that built in advantage, but we're going to be giving up some of it uh, in playing some road games or some home games on the road, almost certainly. And if they do schedule some of these, think about what this is going to do to like the Brewers' rest schedule. Where if they have an off day, that instead of becoming an off day, it is now all of a sudden a double
0: header a full and it's not a seven inning double header right. anymore a full
1: <laughs> double header a full double barrel double header that they're gonna have to play on what would have been an off day if that's yeah. gonna suck and a lot of teams like I said a lot of the teams if you can go look Jason Stark wrote an article about this on the athletics so if you're a subscriber you can look at it um I think the Yankees were one of the teams there were four teams that really had it bad and the Brewers were prominently mentioned in that as really having this bad. Mm-hmm. The, the way their schedule was set up is problematic for them.
2: Indeed. Right,
0: right. All right, so in addition to, or I should say outside of the Brewers losing uh, an entire homestand here, basically, let's kind of go through point by point on what the new uh, CBA looks like, because there's a lot here. And as the week kind of went on after the agreement was reached on Thursday, they you know, were more details that kind of came trickling out uh, beyond kind of just the, the big things that we've been talking about for weeks here. So, uh, as we mentioned on Thursday, finally came to that agreement after, you know, deadlines were postponed another couple of times because the deadlines were always fake. But, uh, you know, <laughs> just in time for Jeff Passon to get his Twitter <laughs> account back from some NFT bros that hacked it on the yeah. worst possible day for Jeff.
1: Yeah, my favorite joke on Twitter for this whole thing was that uh, the news won't be official until uh, uh, Jeff Passon and mints it on the blockchain.
0: Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I like the tweet where it was like, baseball is back and so am I. And then he changed his Twitter header to the Michael Jordan statement that's just, I'm back. (laughs) from (laughs) the last dance. So that, that, that was great too. Uh, all right. So let's just kind of go point by point and I don't want to ramble and talk for 15 minutes straight about all this again. So we'll just kind of take it chunk by chunk here and kind of give our thoughts as we go along. So of course the, the biggest thing about the CBA negotiations here were the CBT thresholds really that hold held up a lot of this for, several weeks, really, until the owners decided that an international draft was the hill they wanted to die on. But we'll get to that later. Uh, So the CBT thresholds have been raised now from two hundred and ten million to two hundred and thirty million to start the new CBA. And they will rise to about two hundred and forty four million by the end of the five year deal. They also added another level of luxury tax, which they're calling uh, affectionately the Steve <laughs> Cohen tax mm-hmm. <laughs> to additionally penalize the, the huge spenders. And I don't know if you guys saw the Steve Cohen uh, comment recently when they were called. Uh, they asked him about it, actually. Like, yep. what is it? What do you think about having a, a tax named after you? And he said, "It well, it's better than having a bridge named after you. So uh, very <laughs> New York investor type response there. But. Um, I guess let's start Paul with the CBT thresholds is is this enough for you is this kind of where you thought this would end up or is this still kind of like a mild win for the players because I know there were some think pieces that were like oh the players won by inching away at this but I know we had kind of spoken in recent weeks like the owners have
2: already won so I guess where did they end up I, I think the players actually did pretty well on this particular one um it I mean, obviously, if the players like to have done better, um, I'm sure the owners would have liked to have imposed their will a little bit more. But the, the players got a pretty good uptick in it. Um, and more than that, they also have, now have some built-in increases to it and have set the precedent for having built-in increases in it, which is really, I think, the biggest win for them. Um, the owners had the previous precedent of essentially, um, not a stat- completely static, but a more or less a static salary cap. And um, that, that's not how this should be. Um, I mean the the, te- the the stupid is you know misnamed in the first place and uh if it's going to go up it should go up along with revenues to a large extent and it doesn't maybe do that perfectly but this seems pretty reasonable um and i do think that this was a reasonable place for both p- for both parties to land uh i, I I don't know why they couldn't have gotten here a little sooner, um, but uh, I, I do think the players did okay here. And uh, I do think that this was a win for them conceptually, at least if nothing else. Yep.
1: I agree with all of that. I think that the, you really hit on the big point, which is that this has escalators within in a way that the last CBA really did not, not nearly to this extent. I don't have the exact numbers, yeah. but it was not to this extent that one really flatlined and from what we can tell we, the details on this have not really come out but they the players were able to i think mostly successfully fight off ownership making the penalties for exceeding it even more draconian yes they yeah. added this extra yeah. level for steve cohen and maybe the dodgers at the top but that wasn't the thing that caused in 2016 all the spending to like stop. Remember when it just ground to a halt that off season and everybody was like, Oh my God, why did, why did baseball just like stop? What, what happened to the spending that we thought was going to happen? (laughs) And it it was because of this, because of this factor, because basically the, the penalties got so harsh we don't know exactly if that's the case, but I think we can probably make an educated guess and think that it is the case that they, they didn't get to increase those the way they were talking about. Ownership early on was talking about putting in penalties such that it really was going to be a hard cap. And yeah, it, the, the simple matter of the fact here is we talked about this last week. If this thing had been rising – with revenues it would be well over 300 already so the fact that it, it's going to end at 244 by the end of this thing it's still it's like the owners still took a big win here they just took right. uh, a slightly less uh, margin of a win on this and yeah. and really there was a lot of talk this week on various podcasts about the idea that if you know, this is a compounding advantage that the ownership has had that they have continued to just tamp this down tamp this down and the players basically got them to give up the sort of growth that should have been happening all along but belatedly so they're they're still already really pretty far behind on this but i, I think right. the important point for brewers fans to note from this because there are a lot of people who are going to want to know like the brewer angle of this this isn't going to change like drastically anything uh, no, right. in terms of what the brewers are able to do in the market in terms of what uh, other teams are able to do in spending and all of that. Like yes, you will see some spending go up, uh, but what we should see is the Brewers spending go up too, because as we'll get to later, there's a whole bunch of new revenue coming into the game as there always is, because the owners are very, very good at making money.
2: <laughs> that they are. <laughs> that they are.
0: Absolutely. Uh, yeah. It, right around this, you know, deal coming together, there was news of what two more streaming deals. So plenty mm. of other. Uh, money coming in as well but i think it is worth noting that the you know 20 million increase in the cbt threshold i think is, is significant because it's the most that it's ever gone up year to year so i think that's a win and kind of what you guys were getting at too like this has been compounded over several cbas where the players weren't going to get this all back at once either right it, it's about establishing precedent and maybe setting them up for the the next negotiation and the one after that. So Mm -hmm. kind of hard for us to think as fans of like the 20 year outlook of these negotiations, but that's kind of what the union has to look at. So. Uh, I I think on that level, yeah, a nice kind of gain there as well, and uh, at least successful, as you guys said, in uh, maybe not just maintaining the status quo and ensuring that, you know, teams will be encouraged to spend or at least won't be penalized for spending for the next five years or so. Um, kind of going along with that too. So they raised the CBT thresholds and, uh, they also raised the minimum salaries for players, uh, that are not in arbitration. That was a big emphasis for the players union. This go around is kind of making sure that the, the young guys weren't forgotten because, you know, in, in previous negotiations, it was a lot of focus on the veterans, the, the middle-class, so to speak, free agents, that kind of thing. Uh, but they, they made sure that they were kind of addressing the issue of players being kind of underpaid from the start, right? So they mm-hmm. increased the uh, minimum salary from $570,000 to $700,000. So that's a pretty significant raise for, you know, those guys who are just breaking in and that minimum will increase to $780,000 by the end of the CBT. Additionally, they added that $50 million pool for pre arbitration creation players too. So Uh, so that 50 million will be split between 30, all 30 clubs. And, uh, so basically, uh, providing, you know, the ability to pay more than that too. So, um, you know, we've got a note here. So baseball prospectus had a podcast in the last week or so Corbin burns would have made about $4 million in 2021 under this rule instead of the $600,000 that he actually made. That's pretty significant. And I think is a good indicator of, uh, the kind of compensation that, is, is kind of coming toward the the pre-arb players, right, Ryan?
1: Yeah, and I think that it's important to note that that the Brewers would have been responsible for just the the seven hundred and uh, you know K of that, like the the minimum salary, and then the other money would have come out of this pool. From so it wouldn't have been the Brewers paying this extra money. It is a pool of money coming from all teams that would have gone to Burns because he was so exceptional. That is, sure. he would have been okay. given the reward based on what people have been able to glean about this. So uh, that wouldn't really materially affect the Brewers hardly at all. Like it it, it does just make sure that he gets paid for having a Cy Young season in a year when he was making basically the league minimum and <laughs> yes. to get properly rewarded for that. Now, there is some knock on effect of that down the road, potentially in that if guys are able to get paid early on, like really early in their careers, it does take a little bit of the stress off for trying to make uh, sure that they get paid. And I think it, it makes it a little less likely or it makes it a little more expensive to get them to accept, say, a you know a, a buyout contract like the Freddie Peralta contract.
2: Yeah, pre-arb deals are going to be more difficult because of this,
1: and but I don't think remarkably so, right? Like it's a it's a modest increase.
2: It's a marginal win for the players, but I do think it's an important one. It's the kind of thing that the owners have been really good at sort of forecasting in the past that I think the players have have not been as sophisticated on. Um, You know, things that don't seem to impact marketability of, of of people up front, but under the surface they do. And I do think that this will make a really significant difference in. Um, especially star-level players like Burns in in their pre-arb capacity, you know, getting rich. Um, And, you know, once you you obviously want to make as much as possible, but a lot of the goals for a lot of these guys is to get sets for life as quickly as possible, and that's what leads to a lot of this. And now you can actually play your way. I mean, $4 million isn't like, you know, it's, very, 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 very well off. Um, yeah. It's not compared to like what Mike trout gets paid. Um, but it will make you set essentially for life if you manage your money properly and whatnot. And it will allow you to take care of family members and stuff like that. And you can just go about your business and make more money after that. That, that I think will be a big factor, especially in a lot of star players. Um, not having to take below market contracts earlier and that that, that should actually help the players union quite a bit. Um, the 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 minimum is harder to judge, just because I'm not sure what the minimum salary of a baseball player should be, to be perfectly honest. But they did get a good chunk of increase, and I do think, um, just like looking at, uh, especially like the end of the deal, seven hundred eighty thousand dollars as a starting salary for you know even the worst professional baseball player mm. is pretty good. Um, I, I feel like that's that's a good number. Like five hundred seventy thousand is still a lot of money, but it's like sort of not normal person money, but you know, it, it's it, it's the kind of money that occasionally you'll run into somebody who makes that. <laughs> <And> <laughs> players I feel like should be, you know, like celebrities, and uh, you're getting closer to it with that. So, I feel like I feel like the players did okay on both of these two. I do think the 50 million uh, will help the player side. I also get savvy by the owner side. It doesn't cost them that much, um, right? And you know, uh, from their perspective, there's definitely a scenario where the players could have held out to get pre-arb and arb stars paid more. Knock off right. that that extra year of control, things like that. This, I think, is what you give to get that. And I think it does kind of make everybody happy and the players get a little bit of a secret leverage win under it too. So, um, I mean, this is what's supposed to happen on these negotiations is you know, it's supposed to work out a little bit for each side and make both sides a little unhappy. And I think that that one in particular is a creative, um, a, a creative solution to this problem. And it does that for both sides.
1: Well, and I wonder... Will that start to come in if a guy has this bonus money that they make? Like Corbin Burns would have had this bonus money. Does that become an arbitration issue? Do, do they go into their first year of arbitration and say, hey, yeah. I made this money in well, bonuses. Right. Now I should make more because this is all about, you know, establishing. I think
2: this is a really good question. I immediately thought, what if there is a guy who hits the bonus pool really hard and then goes into arbitration and like. Gets less or the same amount. (laughs) Right. Like Like Josh Hader would have been a
0: really interesting case. Exactly. Right. Super interesting case.
2: And and that like can't really happen. One would think. Um, and I do wonder how this will be treated by the arbitration panel. I honestly have no idea. Um, I don't see why you couldn't introduce it. I'll say that, um, unless there's a specific rule forbidding this evidence of entering arbitration. And I don't think that that is a rule. Um, it should essentially be the floor in arbitration for a lot of these guys. So it, it'll be interesting to see how this works in arbitration. I'm not 100% sure yet, but I think that is also a win for the players there.
1: Yeah, it's yeah. hard to believe that the players could have spotted something like this that like, were were spotting. Apparently they spotted it and owners didn't think of it. Like, I, 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 that would boggle <laughs> my mind. I, the owners are so good at this stuff. There's no way that their battalion of lawyers and economists and whatever didn't think of this. So we're probably overrating it, right? We're probably imagining probably. this to be a bigger deal than it is. But who knows? I mean, stranger things have happened. And yep. the arbitration system is Byzantine, to put it nicely, right? Like, it's a very strange, <laughs> dumb system. So... You know, who knows what
2: what there is is another side to this, too? Um, I guess if I'm if you're ownership, you can say, um, okay, we'll have these star guys, a few of them will get this pre R bonus money that will go to the arbitration cases. Uh You will also have a bunch of guys who don't, and you can bring that to their arbitration cases. And for if you have, for instance, guys with good underlying statistics that you think that you know you can project to be very good players, but maybe hasn't shown up on the field yet. Um, that guy is going to perhaps have the fact that he didn't get a bonus used against him. Um, so there's that sure. too. It was both ways a little bit. I do think the fact that the owners kind
0: of came in on this proposal at $10 million initially kind of indicated they may think that this will be expensive fairly quickly, right? Yeah. Like, I think that's part of it too. But I think when we talk about uh, maybe the players coming out of this whole negotiation, better off than maybe we anticipated even a couple of weeks ago I think creating this brand new freaking system right I think is a win right like we've heard it on Mm -hmm. you know if you listen to effectively wild the breakdown there or some other podcast it's we've said it too, James we've said it too that this is (laughs) we did we did I mean yeah they're innovating a new system here and I think whenever you're the one to come up with the idea, right? You can maybe kind of think about these hypotheticals that we've already talked about and, and kind of play these scenarios in your brain and 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 play these out and kind of present it as uh maybe if we propose this, they won't catch on right away. And by the time they do, we've already created the precedent that this is a thing, right? They're not going to be able to roll this back. If anything, this bonus pool is only going to be able to grow from here. So I think that's kind of where you kind of consider a win for the players as well. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, so that's the good stuff. Let's talk about the stuff
2: that sucks, mainly the expanded <laughs> playoffs.
0: <laughs>
2: um, I
1: don't
0: hate this though.
1: I it's don't. Well I, that. I, guess. So I, I don't,
2: I don't like it. As I've said many times on this podcast, I want few, much far fewer playoff teams right. include. I would be fine too, but um, I will say at least it's not 14. It's not my favorite. But it's American sports, and American sports always has playoffs, and eh, whatever could be worse. And and it did look like it might have been
0: 14 for a while there, right? If the players were going to give that up in order to get their bonus pools and CBT
2: thresholds and all that stuff. So honestly, I I I I matter about 163 never happening again.
0: I love 163. Yeah, so that's that's kind of the thing, right? So 12 team playoff, okay, fine. Uh, it's, it's basically the old NFL format, right? So we've got two buys per league, which I think maybe still incentivizes trying more mm-hmm. than just trying to get a wild card. So I think yeah. that's good. And a best-of-five series replaces the old single wild card game, which, you know, we as Brewers fans have traumatic memories of uh, being in that game as well. So uh, I, I guess that's a, a bonus too. So I guess, Paul... You know, even though you being the guy who just wants the, the World Series to happen and, and no actual playoffs, uh is this acceptable to you basically that the buys, you <laughs> know, like incentivizing trying, or are you still kind of worried that, you know, six teams in each league making it in kind of maybe provides a disincentive on the back end to not really try as
2: much? It does. Um for for one thing, getting the buys is hard and that's fine that's good that it's hard but that also means it will become more apparent more quickly for when teams aren't going to get them and that's where they're maybe fail a little bit as an incentive it's great if you can get them and if you want to spend a little bit to push you know get that marginal win to push you into the buy that's great but i think a lot of teams are going to to punt on that pretty quickly uh, if the dodgers run out to a you know a quick 15 game lead on the rest of the league um, right. that you're still in the scenario where, Oh yeah, I'll make the playoffs, see what happens, blah, blah, blah. That's fine. And then you have the same problem of, um, a, a loss for the players in a depressed market for trades, a depressed market for contracts to put you over the top. And I think that is pretty likely to happen. Honestly. Um, it, we, we did have, we praised Steve Cohen a little bit up, up top for, mm-hmm. uh, having the tax named after him and he said he would happily violate the tax. And um, I'm, I actually think that's probably true, and there are probably a few teams that will. And that could possibly um, be a big benefit to the league as a whole if you have a bunch of haves uh, that dominate and then a bunch of maybes who can rest on getting into the wild card and um, see that as good enough. So um, it's for 12 teams. There's not really a better way to do it. It's fine. Um, but it, you know, it's not ideal and it's not what baseball should be.
1: Well, I would have liked it if they had instituted the ghost win thing, but that (laughs) MLB apparently put their foot down and said, no, we will not do that. So the player's idea (laughs) went out the window and that sucks. And it should kind of
0: tell you right when I came around to it too. Damn it. Like that's
2: uh, so i forget who made the point it may have even been andy chef but you can't call it ghost win it's no you out. can't it's, it's bad bad pr
1: oh we yeah. we've mentioned it on this podcast last it okay. week yeah it, it sure. came up we yeah we were talking about that so no. yeah you know it's bad marketing but the concept of it is very good and it's proven it's worked in the cb and uh the, the kbo for a long time so like that part of it, it it's a proven concept but whatever it what I really wanted was to create as many gradations of tiers within the playoff field as possible so that there was real value in getting to that next step and having the buys at least is something it I would have. I would have liked more uh, maybe if this was instead of a five game series, a three game series where all the games were played at the, the team with the better records
2: home park. Yeah. yeah. Or if you're the last two if you're the last two teams in, Angel Hernandez does your games. Something like that. So.
1: <laughs> the Angel Hernandez penalty. Yeah. That only yes. works so long though. But yeah, so I what I wanted was was more gradations in there, but this isn't terrible. This is okay. I, I don't hate that system. I actually do I think this is better with the two buys and the uh, the fact that there's no longer the one game play in, which is just so random, it always bothered me. Uh, yeah. I think this is better than the system we had. I think this is a, a better system for, I guess, having a, a true postseason tournament. But ultimately, no matter what you do with the postseason tournament, you're never going to crown a true champion. That's what the 162 games is for. That is what you for sorting out who the real best team is. That's what you do over the regular season.
2: Yeah, they should make a trophy for that or, like, or like an official tenant for it. Mm-hmm. They really should. They should. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: Some sort of financial incentive or something, right? Like, I, I kind of thought this through the negotiations, too. If you really want to, like, kind of make an incentive for winning, just have, like, the league give, like, a $50 million purse to the champion, and you can do whatever you want with it, owners. Have yeah. fun. You know, like, that'd be a way to do it. There's so much money you could easily kind of set aside that amount for that. But um, I I do want to mention, too, because, Paul, you kind of mentioned it, that the other thing with this playoff system, the expanded playoff, is we're not going to get those tiebreaker games anymore, which is a real bummer because game 163 is the best thing out there. I think it's even better than the the one game one game wildcard play in. You know, without that, we don't have the Brewers beating the Cubs at Wrigley in game 163. it, it's
2: it's i hate that they got rid of it because it, everybody loves it it's exciting spontaneous and it's pure like it's no it's not a bs tiebreaker it's not a, a randomly chosen statistical artifact or anything like that and i have i have liked baseball's um, occasional ability to throw together spontaneous games on short notice and that's yep. what 163 is people should go up to it it's super exciting it's a huge like it's a, I, I guess I shouldn't say it's a big ratings draw. I don't know if it is or not. I never checked the ratings on 163, but I always watch them because they're amazing and people go all yeah. out for it. Um, and, and getting rid of them is just crappy. It, it just is. Um, it, uh, it also is good for like punishing the last couple teams in usually. Now, right. sometimes a better team is fighting for something else, but, uh, it like tiebreakers, if they can, should be playing the sports and you know, football <laughs> can't because people get killed in football and, yeah. um, like they could do it in baseball, and you should. You should keep that up. It, it's it's sad to lose that. It's a uh, a great moment in every every time it comes up.
1: You want to know Absolutely. a secret? It's coming back.
2: Oh yeah? Why is the that? fourteen team? This is coming back. <laughs> they will
1: they will realize the value of what they've given up, and they'll bring it back. This was a concession made to TV scheduling and the way that things currently are done. They wanted to make sure that they got things in for TV in a specific window, because TV has been really specific with MLB apparently, that they want games on certain days at certain times, and they don't want games at certain dates and certain times, mostly well into November, because that starts interfering with their other programming that they want to run. So they want everything to be very regimented and very whatever. Baseball will figure this out over time, that giving up that 163 thing was really something they shouldn't have done, and they'll find a way to make it work. Right now, it was a means to an end to get to what the current realities are, but I would bet you money it's coming back down the road. So it's, it's uh, a temporary I just, loss, I bet.
2: I just think that people forget about it, and um, mm. especially Americans are used to tiebreakers, and it won't seem that weird very quickly. So I'm, I'm worried this is gone forever. I, I'll actually take that bet. I don't, I don't think it's coming back.
1: Okay. We'll see. I don't know what <laughs> what is the time horizon on this.
0: Yeah, but, yeah. the terms
2: on this is tricky. So <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll
0: negotiate that. Somebody will remind us of that. But I don't know. I I think if or when they expand to fourteen, I think maybe that's another way to do it, where you kind of keep the structure and make the last two teams kind of battle it out. too. I don't know. Um, there could be something like that too, uh, because I feel like fourteen is is coming along eventually, mm-hmm. sooner and or sucks later. I hate it. Yep. All right. Uh, Moving on, NLDH, we knew, is a thing. We kind of got that leaked out really early by Rob Manfred in the process. It it was clearly, as we kind of discussed for really years here, right? It's something both sides wanted, so at least they both decided they didn't have to give something up to get it. So NLDH is a thing. Uh, Anyone's guess on who the brewers will slot in that role, but I'm sure we'll talk about that plenty as, as time goes on. And also MLB also got a new shorter window to make rule changes. So instead of a year's notice, it's 45 days notice and a committee of six MLB reps, four MLBPA reps, and one umpire will make all those calls. Again, hoping Angel Hernandez is not on that committee. <laughs> but uh, So, yeah, it'll be a, a committee situation. But, of course, as you heard the breakdown there, MLB still has... Basically, all the authority to unilaterally put it in there that when you have a committee of 11 people and the league has six people, uh, kind of a sham there. (laughs) But, hey, it's the appearance of working together that counts. So there's that. We'll we'll eventually get the bigger bases and and all that stuff that we've kind of talked about as well.
2: Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm actually looking forward to the bigger bases because I'm looking forward to the eventual Sam Miller column on whether it increases like doubles because yes. there's a slightly shorter amount of um, space you have to run to get to the bigger base to see if you oh, be safe. that's interesting. So yeah. th- I, I just want that. Uh, well, Sam Miller Finland is 20.
1: done with baseball writing. He retired. Oh, yeah? He, he's he oh, gone on to okay. a different line of work. Yeah. He did one
2: quick... Ben, Lind- uh, ben Lindbergh, then, whatever.
1: Yeah. He did one <laughs> quick guest appearance on Effectively Wild and broke the news that, yeah, he was leaving baseball completely and uh, was going to do something else with his life. And, boy, was he really enjoying being a Giants fan last year.
0: <laughs> I mean, oh, that was a good share. year to be a Giants fan. So that, that's I'll take I'll too. take Ben
2: if he does it. That's fine too.
0: Yeah, it, it seems like a, a Ben Lindbergh kind of thing too. Yeah, so, sure. Uh, ben, get on that. Uh, meanwhile, we've also just kind of wrapping up the last couple of things here on the list. Uh, major schedule changes coming next year, so not so much this year as they just kind of scramble and try to piece together what they already put together. But next year, everybody will play at least one series against every other team in Major League Baseball. So that, of course, means fewer divisional games. That'll be 14 instead of 19 every year. And, you know, if you're going to flag one more thing that could maybe hurt the Brewers, at least in the short term, while the rest of the NL Central is shit. This is probably it, right, Ryan?
1: Yeah, I mean, I would think so. I think it's better for baseball as a whole. I think that a more balanced schedule is better than a completely unbalanced schedule for the game sure. especially when you've got so much wild card stuff going on uh where you know a team can get a massive advantage by playing in a bad division like the brewers have yeah, so like they do yeah i i think that that's but i also think that this was sort of inevitable i was a little surprised that the the owners were willing to so easily give up their their extra home games because this will probably mean at least every other year one fewer cub series for the brewers at you know, at AmFam. So yep. it, it's going to mean less less games like that. So maybe they figure it's not that big a deal, and it, it means more to get a lot of those, uh, those other teams in. And, and also, I think that it's worth noting here that this is really of a piece with now adding the DH to both leagues. The things that have kept the leagues to be separate are you know, slowly drifting away over time. And sure. we used to have, you know, if when I was a kid, remember, there was an AL and an NL office, right? And there was yeah. a commissioner of each league. And they had really most of the powers now that are vested in the commissioner's office. The commissioner was more of a overall big picture sort of thing. And the, you had umpires were in each league, right? You had your own set of umpires in each yeah. league. Yeah. You With had different gear. Yeah. With different, everything was very different and it was a different set of players and it was, it was all that. And all those distinctions have gone away kind of slowly over time, basically from the nineties to now. And I think that for people older than me, that's probably something they really miss and something that they, that detracts from the game to me. I don't have firm enough memories of that being like super important to me, so I don't really care. It doesn't bother me, but it is definitely a change. And it's worth noting that the game is is going to more of a, you know, 30 team or eventually it's going to be 32, probably not too long from now. Uh, that is going to that instead of you know two separate leagues that sort of operated independently of each other with a few exceptions, meaning you know the All-Star game and the World Series. That was the time when it was one whole game. Other than that, it was actually two kind of separate
2: organizations. Yeah, when I first heard this, I, I, I reacted negatively to it uh, immediately, but thinking on it for two seconds, um, I was like, you know what? I watched the Pirates way too much. Yes. Um, and yeah. it Fewer pirates and Reds games. Great there's 162 games. There's literally no reason that you can't play everybody. It if if any sport's gonna do it, this is the one that can do it very easily. You have so big. You have all this time to play everybody. So it makes a lot of sense, and it's good to see everybody. One of the big problems that baseballs had is that Mike Trout and Shohei Otani play for the Angels, the most boring team in the league on the West Coast um, yep. against other West Coast teams. Nobody sees them play ever. Um, and this helps fix that. You actually get to see a lot of the people that you don't see, no matter where they're locked up for their their you know contracts. So it makes a lot of sense. And I'm totally for it because I, I don't need to see the Pirates 20 times a year. It's it, more whatever it is. It sucks. It's bad.
1: Well, how much yeah. did MLB miss? in say the 90s with the Mariners being sort of the this big flashy team I know the Braves were the better team in that decade but the Mariners had all these star players these super huge big time stars and they were out on the west coast kind of anonymously out there I think this does make that a little bit less of a factor I think it does allow us more uh, cross-pollination I guess between uh, all the different segments of the league because Mike Trout, like how many times has Mike Trout actually played in Milwaukee at this point? point, two or three? Like he's got like less than at 10 most, games in Milwaukee. Yeah. yeah.
0: That, I feel like he's always on the disabled list or the injured list every time the angels come to Milwaukee too. So yeah, that's yeah. another thing.
1: So I think that this is, this is important for, you know, the same will not be true if Jared Kelnick spends his entire career as a Mariner superstar. And I hope because I do have him in multiple dynasty leagues, that, that is the case. Uh, <laughs> That, uh, you know, he will not be a stranger to Wisconsin fans the same way that, uh, that Mike Trout has been a stranger to Wisconsin fans. So that, that is definitely a positive and I do like it. And I think that that's, it's good.
0: All right. So like all these things considered just really quick, summarizing everything. I was going to ask this, but easy network on Twitter also asked this. So we'll give him a shout out too. what's (laughs) the verdict. Was all of this worth it? The 99 day lockout worth it for the players, Paul.
2: I think yes, definitely for the players. Um, and it, it's a very easy way to frame the question, um, but it should <laughs> it should be framed the other way because yeah. the players did pretty well by holding out. They're not going to miss much, if any, game revenue. They got significant concessions on some of the biggest things that have been holding salary growth back. They got a big minimum increase. Um, and the owners, it's not like they got nothing. International draft is apparently something they care deeply about and whatever, that's fine. Um, But I think we should really be asking if this was worth it for the owners, um, because a lot of this negotiating could have happened earlier. And um, I still think maybe yes, because I do think they're going to, to the extent we miss games, like if they don't get made up, uh, this is the time when it doesn't necessarily pay for it. So I think one of the problems that we had in these labor negotiations uh, is that the owners weren't really that pressured to act quickly. Uh, it's not in their best interest to act quickly, and that's a problem um, because, yeah, the players, I think, did okay by holding out and, and whatnot, but this all could have happened months ago without without any question. This is all reasonable. There's nothing here that took a big player effort. Um, I mean, the players didn't suffer that much here. Nothing weird happened. This wasn't a, a a win earned through attrition, and when that happens, that means it took too long, so... Um, i think the owners kind of got a few things they wanted and they're starting from a position of strength and they didn't really risk things that they would have missed in april games so um i guess it was worth it for everybody and that's bad because it, it the owners obviously like actually should have maybe taken a little bit bigger of a hit for Damaging baseball for threatening to miss games and for maybe missing some games anyway, for pushing off spring training, for just making a big PR mess and for making everybody hate the sport and write about it badly for a while. So, um, it was worth it for everybody, but they're all worse off for it anyway. Yeah. And
1: just to be fair to Easner on this, he actually was pretty skeptical of the owner's position. It was, he was. He we was, discussed so. this and it was <laughs> like,
2: and he, he kind of pointed out that, like, if they've <laughs> lost he me, was. He I was. He will yell at me later for that. You are correct about that. He he actually um he was very skeptical of the owners and um was essentially on the correct side of this argument. So um uh, he, credit where it's due. He uh, he he was asking for from the correct side. But you know um if if you if you follow easy you also know. I was not necessarily mischaracterizing him either. <laughs> no, his
1: general position and that's why this was kind of a a thing. So anyway, yeah, and I replied to this. This he actually sent this to me, not to the podcast, but I wanted it on yeah. here because I thought it was a really I actually wanted yeah. to discuss it in this framework because I think the, the most important thing to me, everything you said is is perfectly true and and all of that. I think the 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 biggest thing for me is that the players had to do this to get this deal this deal was not available to them in december if they had taken the owner's best offer in december it, it wouldn't have looked anything like this they had to take it as far as they did to get this deal it, it, it that, so so it wasn't like they they didn't uh they didn't gain anything by their time. They had to bide their time because the owners simply decided that that's the way this was going to play. They they set those rules of engagement, and that was how this all played out. So the, the players sort of had to deal with it. If they wanted to get their concessions, they were going to yep. need to do that, and ultimately – I do think that they got enough out of this. They got enough movement on important things that are good for them. And I think also good for the game as a whole. I think this does increase competition. I think this does at least put a little bit of pressure on some of the the smaller market teams to be a little less shitty it To for Bob <laughs> Nutting to be a little less Bob Nutting. Like that would be really nice. And
2: Uh, Breaking news, the Yankees just acquired Josh Donaldson uh, from the Twins for um, Ryan Say-His-Name because I can't still. (laughs) He's going going to the Yankees,
0: too. Isaiah kiner falefa who was previously a Texas Ranger until about a day ago, and he's being flipped to New York.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so I guess he went from—at least this doesn't require—he would have had to have already known he was going to Florida instead of Arizona— so at least yeah. he gets to stay in <laughs> Florida now. So that's, that's at true. least something for him. Uh, but yeah, this is this is kind of interesting. I, Josh wins are getting uh, sorry. Yeah.
0: The Twins are getting Gary Sanchez and Gio Urshela. So Gio is going ML, MLB mm. for MLB trade, which I love. Yeah, these okay, so yeah, indeed, it's interesting.
1: So Kiner Falefa and uh, Donaldson for Gio Urshela. And Gary Sanchez, well, good Correct. for Gary Sanchez for getting out of New York because he he needed that. <laughs> like that was that was something
0: he needed. So. He was getting a lot of hate, yes. Yep. Yeah,
1: he really did. But anyway, going back to the to the previous point of all this, yeah, I, I think the players had to do this. It was something they needed to do. They got enough movement on stuff that uh, that it, it's good for the the long term of them and at least somewhat for the sport. So yeah, I, all around, just pretty. I, I think this was what needed to happen and the fact that they they gave in, well, we'll get to that in just a second.
0: Yeah, all right. So I guess to summarize this, that the union had to take a vote, right? So uh, the executive committee first did a vote, the negotiating folks there, and then they opened it up to the team reps on every team. So in the end, the final vote was 26 to 12, which uh, kind of just barely crossing that threshold, right? But... All the negotiating executive committee voted no, but the rest of the players basically said, "Screw it, this is good enough. Let's get to work." Uh, all 30 MLB owners, of course, uh, proceeded to vote yes on the final proposal, which makes sense because it was their proposal. And then, uh, you know, nevertheless, two days later, John Heyman's tweeting that some GMs are whining about uh, what was it, Carlos Rodon's contract with the Giants, and it's oh. like, dudes, y- you guys approve this? It's it's fine chill out but uh anyway should we read anything into the final votes paul of the guys doing the negotiating all voted no on this but the rest of the player reps voted yes um
2: it's hard to read too much into that um i I think that that can happen for a few different reasons some of them bad but um the guys doing the negotiating also do have to kind of be steeled to keep doing it and um that's probably what it should look like most of the time when the rank and file is happy with it, you should stop. But the people actually in the room and doing it should be always willing to press on until their membership tells them otherwise. So um, I know it's easy to read into it. Maybe that it was not a great deal and that the unsophisticated part of the, the organization um, just got tired or was happy with it. But I don't think that's a good way to do it. Um, I I think, you know, ultimately they get to decide their own faith and, that's fine. So I don't. I wouldn't read anything into it other than um, that's a good split. Like the, you're, you're, you should have bulldogs in charge of your negotiations and you should take things back to your clients and uh, they should be the ones that actually make the decision about themselves. So that's fine.
1: Yeah, and I think it, we should note here that Brent Suter, the Brewers rep, did vote for the deal. Yep, uh, He was one of the 26 as opposed to the four. The four were both New York teams, which I found interesting. And yeah. uh, St. Louis and... Houston were the other two teams that voted no and we shouldn't read it like I saw people making Cardinals jokes about that and it's like eh don't really read anything into that because that's about who the representative is and what the the tenor in that room is and all of that so who knows exactly why a given representative voted no it it could be reasons that we are completely off the radar to us but I did think it was interesting I did wonder and I was going to ask you about this Paul Could it be in this situation that the executive committee basically wanted to vote no to show, hey, we weren't completely uh, uh, happy with this and maintain a little bit of leverage saying, hey, there's a – the next time this comes around, you're still in for a fight. You didn't get us to all just be happy and gratefully accept whatever you wanted. We're still pissed off. We're still together on this, and we're not ready to just completely abandon the fight.
2: That is also absolutely a reason to do it, Um, and uh, you do want to to signal that. And and unanimity on a deal that isn't meant to please everybody can work against you in the future. So yeah, uh, I I think that's a legitimate point to make. That you want to say, "Hey, hey, we're doing this because we realize it's in the best interests of getting games moving and whatnot. But we're not that happy with it. And uh, next time, you know, we would like to do better. So be ready for that." When when it comes up.
0: All right. So I guess with that, let's do questions, get to Patreon questions. As I mentioned, we've got a lot of them. So let's we'll start with Jay Google. Who else? Of course. Uh, he's asking, anything from the CBA agreement surprise you, whether it's the international draft, the Jacob Nottingham rule, etc. <laughs> so I think for me, the big surprise was suddenly the international draft kind of becoming like this wedge issue on like the last two days when it hasn't been a thing we heard about for like the last three weeks. Right. So I guess yes. Ryan, what for you was the thing that kind of popped out to you as the surprise. Yeah. I think
1: now is the time to talk a little bit about the international draft. So this got kicked down the road to July 25th of this year, where uh, basically this has been attached to as it stands right now, uh, MLB is still staying away from an international draft and also maintaining their right to do qualifying offers to free agents. And they're basically tied together. If, if, if the MLBPA says you go ahead with your international draft, the qualifying offer goes away. So those two things are tied together, and this became a contentious issue because the players were, especially the, the Latino players, were being lobbied very heavily not to accept an international draft, and that was being done. At, David Ortiz sent a video around of this saying, do not accept this. We we do not want an international draft. It will hurt us in Uh, basically in in the Dominican Republic in our areas in our communities this will hurt us and that is such a complicated issue we really don't have time to get into the specifics of it here I have a lot of questions if you want to I brought some of this up on Twitter I don't know it's such a complicated issue and you're dealing with so much stuff with it that I don't think we really have time to do it justice here but uh, that was it, it was huge because I know MLB's been after an international draft forever and I feel like the uh, union already in the last CBA, by accepting hard slotting of international bonuses, yeah, they already let the the, the horse out of the barn, right? Like the cow's already out of the, whatever the stupid idiom is. Like they've already let that out. So it, <laughs> it feels like they're protecting sort of a, a, a territory they already gave up, which is weird. But I guess there's there's stuff about this I do not understand. So I'm just going to be upfront about that and say, I don't understand this one.
0: Yeah, the cow out of the barn is maybe the Wisconsin version of the horse out of the barn. <laughs>
2: with I hard, yeah, with hard slotting, I am not sure why everybody cares so much. Um, I, I think owners obviously want this because it it represses salary. It 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 still keeps open the international market, but it, it is a salary cap on signing. Um, you know, international players who are maybe past the time when they would be you know considered young players, rookies, whatever. Um, but I. I don't really. Um, I'm surprised it's contentious um, because um, international players also are, for a lot of the union membership, um, competitors to a large extent as well. And um, uh, usually, uh, I mean, credit to the union for actually sticking up a little bit here because usually they sell out to other people like the miners um, and they're happy to sell out international players most of the time. And could, yeah. like David Ortiz, I actually saw get some scorn for this, but. Um, I, I I appreciate him actually sticking up for a group of people who aren't currently players who might be in the future mm-hmm. more so than the rest of the union does for that uh, a similarly situated group of people. So um, I I would be a little more skeptical of this on the players' side. Um, well maybe they are actually because they have fought back on it. And um this is I think it's one of those things where you are. Um, allowing some salary repression here of a group of people who wanted to play major league baseball. If you let it go and nobody likes the draft. I, I think that's the, like yeah. players don't like being drafted, being drafted sucks. We like, <laughs> we, it's we don't also actually... another uniquely American aspect of sports, mm-hmm. right? Yes. It is an internationally renowned military phenomenon, um, but not in their sports. So, um, it's uh, I'm I'm surprised it, it. I'm not surprised that the owners brought up something last minute because I thought they would. Um, I'm surprised it was this and that everybody cares so much about it because it it also seems like a, an easy thing to give up on and an easy thing to um, to just ignore. And I guess they kind of did ignore. They pushed it. They kicked the can. Right. But uh, it was a weird last issue to come up. I don't know who thought it was a good idea. Um, they could have just not done it and nobody would have been worse off. <laughs>
0: yeah absolutely but uh like ryan said plenty to still negotiate on that and at least they decided it wasn't going to be the thing to prevent them from getting back on the field so we'll we'll kick it down the road and probably kick it down the road a couple of more times right before Mm -hmm. it it happens but and uh, just
1: to before we go on the jacob nottingham rule we should just kind of explain what that is it's about that weirdness that happened with jacob nottingham remember when in like the course of two weeks he went from the brewers to seattle back to the brewers back to like seattle again i think like yep he kept bouncing around and basically the rule that got put in place is that a player has to be offered to all the teams in mlb before they can go back to the team they were just with to keep that sort of thing from happening again
0: yeah that was a weird phenomenon yeah it was really strange yeah Mm -hmm. poor sheriff but hopefully he finds (laughs) a permanent (laughs) home for a while all right our next patreon question is from john just john uh, mm-hmm. So Just John's John. asking, John. uh, how will uh, another thing that maybe personally affects the brewers in a way, how will the limit to five times a player can be optioned uh, during a year affect the roster construction? Was it common to have players optioned more than five times in seasons prior? So I don't know if I've got the research done on this to, to say definitively. Uh, Ryan's raising his hand. I believe he's done some research, but you know, the brewers like to shuttle their relievers, right, Ryan?
1: Yeah, no, I've listened to some podcasts. There were, there were guys who got multiple, uh, or sorry, who got optioned last year, double digit times, uh, raise reliever that won't surprise anybody. There were guys who were getting this like 10, 12 times to the point where on a podcast I was just listening to, and I keep, sorry, I can't cite which one. Cause I listened to a lot of them while I was driving. Uh, <laughs> they talked about the fact that some of these guys when they know they're on the shuttle basically between the triple a team and the major league team, they don't even go to the triple a team. They just sit in their apartment in the major league city and wait for the recall to happen because oh my God. it's, there's no point because they know in 10 days they're coming right back and the team is fine with this. Yeah. So that needs to go away. Like that is, that is not just what this is supposed to be. Squad
0: already. Come on.
1: Yeah. yeah. now, The things that have been speculated about this and where this is probably going to go is that what you're going to end up with is a pool of these guys. You're going to end up with this sort of, okay, here's the shuttle guy. They've gone five times back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And now they get pushed into this pool of players and teams can start grabbing from that pool and go, well, we haven't had this guy yet. So we're going to bring him in. He'll come in and be with us for a few days until we're ready to DFA him. And then he'll go to another team. And so chances are this actually in practice ends up being in some ways worse because at least when you were being optioned down 12 times, you knew you were going between Tampa and I don't know where Durham, you know, or you were sitting in your apartment and waiting. This could actually have you end up bouncing from team to team to team in a way that you weren't before, like organization to organization, So we'll see. I think this is going to require tweaking because, frankly, the way that baseball runs now is this is part of the deal that you're going to have these guys that are up and down guys. And so I think that what it is going to do in the short term for this year, it's going to require teams utilize more of their 40 man roster as up and down guys. You're not going to have guys like, say, Dylan File and Alec Bettinger sitting on the Brewers 40-man and not be spending time on the shuttle between here and Nashville. <laughs> that That's going to be part of the deal. So it probably expands that to more players who get put on this rotating uh, carousel, and we'll see where it goes from there. But I don't think this is the final word on this because this doesn't really solve the problem.
2: It just sort of changes it. Yeah, uh, yes. Paul. Anything to add on that? Not really. I mean, it, it's it's going to hurt all the teams that abuse this, and the Brewers are one of them. But teams yep. shouldn't abuse it, so um, it, it is a reasonable constraint. Um, if you value a guy that much, call him up, and you shouldn't be able to just use your AAA team as an extension of your major league baseball team. That's not how this is supposed to work. So it's fine. Um, it it does hurt them. The Brewers are great at abusing everything that can be abused, and so. Almost all rule changes are going to hurt them um, just because they're the ones who push it. The Rays push it. other A few other teams push it. And most changes are to stop them from doing that. So this is one of them. And it, it, it will make a difference on how they do things.
1: Well, I think that a better way to have handled this would have been to say that once a guy is called up to the majors from that day forward for the rest of the season, you are paying them the big league salary. Yeah. Instead that, that of would've... Yeah. That would have, yeah. that would have been a you know a better way to handle this, because now you're yep. really putting financial incentives in play and teams are going to have to start making tough decisions monetarily in a way that they don't now. Because yep. exactly just understand the difference between what a guy makes in AAA and what a guy makes in the major leagues is astronomical,
0: especially now after they change the minimums. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Kind of in this same vein, James Vandenberg has a question here. What rule change in the new CBA will benefit or hinder the Brewers the most? Also, do you have any plans on creating a Discord server for the pod similar to RAE? <laughs> Paul, can we get Matt to do that for us? Because
2: I have no um, idea how to work Discord. I should check that more. I do it more when the season's going on. Um, I, yeah, I can probably get Matt to do that. <laughs> M- maybe uh, I'll see
0: um <laughs> or maybe we do a patreon thing i don't know we'll we'll yeah. see we'll we'll talk about it james anyway yeah. uh paul we'll uh, yeah cba what hurts or helps the brewers the most
2: oh i think we just talked about it i actually do think that the the uh, the optioning is probably what hurts them the most I, I do think the dh hurts them also um quite a bit uh by making managing bullpens easier across the board um those are the two i think are, are the biggest but Really, almost every rule change hurts them. Uh, it's <laughs> they'll figure out new things to do with new exploitations, but uh, you know they were built to run under the old system, and and uh, they shuttle people left and right, and they they are great at managing their bullpen. And the DH means that's less important, and the limits on optioning means that limits their ability to do that. So that hurt, those are the two big ones for them, I think. And shifting will be limited
0: next year. Right? Yes, so, and it, <laughs> exactly. I, I want to see how that
2: I want to see how that works out still. So I know. i know that we've said we're limiting the shift i want to see what the actual mechanics of that look like i suspect that there are exploitable um areas in in the shift limitation so i'm not um i'm actually discounting that one a little bit because you know I, i assume people have zones or rules about people being on halves of the field and shifts can still work pretty well in that scenario so i, I want to see what the actual rules on the shifts are before i say that's going to hurt them a lot because i'm not sure it is uh, i think that uh i i think baseball may be overrating its own ability to rein in the shift i'm not sure that they can actually do it as much as they would like
1: i want to jump off on a point that you made paul because i think you're right but i want to point out that okay so the brewers are among the very best teams in baseball at Exploiting any rule to finding a way to take a rule and twist it to their advantage, and figure out a way to succeed or to use it in a way that maybe other teams aren't yeah.
2: creatively. R- remember the r- real quick before Ryan goes on. The minimum batters faced rule is basically a Brewers rule for um, for their opener strategies for um, how they would uh, abuse in the playoffs, especially using an opener in the playoffs. I think kind of made that rule happen. So um, mm-hmm. that's what they do. They're great at it. Okay, continue.
1: So anyway, and I think that that is absolutely true. So here is there. But I think this cuts both ways, because on one hand, yes, anytime you're making a bunch of rule changes, um, that is going to affect the Brewers more than it's going to affect other teams, because they were the ones pushing the margins the most on the other hand they're also going to, because they're so good at this and they because they obviously are smart and spend their time thinking about this and work at this, they will be among the the teams to first and best take advantage of whatever the new conditions are. They will find the solutions faster than other teams will. They will solve the puzzle quicker as a result. I have very strong faith that they will be among the leaders in finding new ways to exploit all the the various new things that have come along in this. So while, yes, I think they, they lose something from one hand, they're going to be gaining it on the other hand. How that comes out in the wash, I don't know. But I think that there will be a, a bunch of give and take there as opposed to just losing things that they were taking advantage of before. They'll find ways to make, you know, d- loopholes to exploit. They will definitely yeah, do yeah. that
0: all right well speaking of the dh i guess some more breaking news here into the milwaukee's tailgate podcast at this yep, hour yep, Holy shit yep. nelson cruz to the nationals one year yep. 13
1: million dollars <laughs> so, what are the Nats doing i guess i shouldn't complain about them spending money they should spend yes.
0: money
2: but they're, they're a, spending money there's a mutual second year option that will of course not happen but it is there so there we go so uh Cross a DH
0: off the board. I know some Brewer fans wanted uh, Nelson Cruz there. So that one's not going to happen. All right. Moving on. Uh, we kind of talked about this aspect the banning of the shift. Mark Pod Scarby asking, I know it ha- isn't happening this year, but what Brewers hitters would banning the shift help the most? Ooh, this is, <laughs> this is good. Maybe Christian Yelich Actually, Paul, I don't know. Is this the cure
2: to his ails? I'm not sure it is. Um, uh, and uh, uh, the thing with Yelich is he he, um, he should spray the ball more. Um, I, and I, I think that he is sort of built to play I I'm too much on this podcast. But um, against uh, opposite side pitching, he's really built to pull. And um, it's I don't think the shift is getting him there. I think his lack of contact is getting him there. It might help him a little bit, but it's going to help him in a way that doesn't fix Christian Yelich. It'll help him by getting him a few more infield hits and, um, you know, like, seeing eye singles it's not going to fix anything other than that so yeah might drive his obp up to like 410 that's good i like that um but like christian yelich's fundamental problem is power and shifting uh, power and oh, power and contact but you know power plus contact and shifting doesn't kill him that badly he still gets on base he still is a productive getting on base person his, pro- his problem is much different than that so there's probably other guys that would would have a larger impact if yelich fixes himself it's not going to be because of any shifting it's going to be because he he starts mashing it over the fence a whole bunch and shift doesn't matter for hitting sure. it over the fence a whole bunch
0: i guess my thought there was the the ground ball rate right is is that Yelich? yeah right the, yes but know.
2: again the ground ball rate is like an a weird artifact of great yelich and um, sure. it it matters a little bit but it doesn't matter that much Ryan, what, what are your thoughts? Yeah,
1: no, I was going to go exactly the direction you were. I think it's Yelich, and I think it's not close, because I think that it is – you have a guy who grounds into a lot of – he hits the ball on the ground hard a lot, and so if they are truly trying to take away infielders and force them to not play in the positions that would most benefit them, uh, and we don't know what the shift would look like. We talked about this on last week's pod, too, with Steve – we don't know what that's all going to look like, but I think the more severe they try to make it, the more it helps him. And I think that it is specifically the players who are most trying to hit for power that are the guys who are most dedicated to uh, gripping it, and ripping it, you know, um, like that player are the ones that are are going to benefit from this the most because it takes away the penalty for what they're doing. It it lessens the penalty for a guy uh, okay.
2: Trying right, to just but...
1: smack one over the fence because now, if they just ground into a, a, a pitch, well, at least there's more of a
2: chance now that it's going to sneak through. All right. But do they care about that? I mean, it, it, I guess I, I, just, I feel like it's like a little tiny help. It, it is a. It, it'll help Yelich, but like not, not enough to matter. If he's still being himself, it'll up his batting average like a few points, but that's kind of it. Yeah. Um...
1: But that's kind of been the problem with him the last couple of years has been. That that part of his game has has taken a hit, especially in in 2020, that part of his game took a big hit. So it it also didn't have time to really normalize out because the season was so short. But I I mean, the thing here is I I think that my general answer to this is it is going to do it is going to incentivize exactly what people don't want to incentivize. That banning the shift is going to reward players for taking a swing for the fences approach because it lessens the penalty for doing so by allowing more balls to sneak through. And so I think that this is the banning the shift is counterintuitive because this idea was that like, well, it's going to force guys to like spray the ball more. Like, I don't know where that they already aren't doing that. They're not doing that. So all you're doing is also
0: freaking impossible against pitching these days. So exactly. That's the
1: biggest point that needs to be made is that that we'll talk more about this down the road because we had so much more. But like this is the the whole banning the shift thing is not going to work out the way that people want it. That's true. It's not going to work the way they want it to. So it's it's a dumb idea for that reason.
2: So, uh, just I'll go with Wong or Narvaez, by the way, because sure. they're, they're lefties and they're lefties who have good but not great power, who had a lot of doubles um, and who are capable of powering the ball past a single defender a lot more Um, in addition to playing the normal game. So, I'd go with them. Like, sure. Yelich, oh, you're, you're right. On, you're, yeah. yeah, you're right on yeah. Yelich. It's just that fixing Yelich is not about that. Like, that yeah. would just turn Yelich into a different kind of shitty ground ball hitter, which is okay, better than what we have, but not trade yep
0: yeah i guess if i had a smart ass answer it would be well the brewers have to make contact first to benefit from this (laughs) right so uh there's there's my smarmy answer all right next question j google again peacock network apple plus new playoff deal just how broke are the owners paul
2: (laughs) the brokest i mean the owners if if anything uh, so they are Fantastic. Well, that's not true because Dick Montfort's not, but as a unit, they're pretty good business people I uh, mean, baseball as a sports, not exactly growing super hugely in popularity as an aging fan base. And, um, you know, the NFL is really king. Um, and they are good at finding ways to monetize baseball, uh, making little tiny corporations to run concessions and parking and, and, and partitioning up uh, partitioning off games into these little tiny internet blocks is I think going to be really good for them. So. Um, like Peacock's getting a, a ridiculously small number of games, um, for the money that they're paying. And, um, you know, Apple plus, they can do this a few times and, and, you know, essentially what they realized is we have new networks. Um, we have new networks. We sort of built the streaming technology that a lot of them use. We have relationships with them and, um, we, we don't have to just put our game on ESPN anymore. We have streaming and we can sell off 10 to 20 game chunks For, you know, dozens of that tens of millions of dollars. And um, that's what this is. They're not broke at all. It's really smart of them. Uh well, okay, I shouldn't say it's really smart of them. There's some problems with this. Not everybody has every streaming service and can subscribe to every streaming service, so exposure is a problem. But for monetizing the game, this is really smart. And being on online platforms is actually, I think, a pretty good idea. Uh, if you're really a big fan, you're gonna have the ticket. That's good. But if you have Peacock or Apple and you happen to be flipping around on it and you see a baseball game, you might actually turn that on. So not right. a bad idea. Well, and it is the wave of the future, right? That's true, too. Yeah. You, you can't grow by being on NBC. That's not going to work. <laughs> right. You need to do something yeah.
0: else. Exactly. If you want to, you know, we, we shit on the owners all the time for, or, or the league all the time for not appealing to younger demographics, right? This is where the younger people are. Like everybody complains about the YouTube games, but hell man, that's the biggest platform for people ages 15 to 25 or whatever you know and It works so,
2: really well and it's easy yeah. to watch on YouTube uh, exactly like, <laughs> I have no trouble finding the game on YouTube even my parents know how to use YouTube like, and YouTube
0: real... <laughs> doesn't black anything out exactly yeah. and these don't black these other streaming deals won't either so I think that maybe solves some of the the issues we've seen before too of exposure
1: Ultimately Uh, it does like lay bare, getting back to his original point, it does lay bare the hypocrisy of of ownership. And it's it's very (laughs) much we don't make money. (laughs) Yeah, that we're not making money. It's uh what is it? It's uh, walking to the podium and having like giant sacks of money just fall out. Like because the the timing of the, the Apple thing, Apple announced that they were doing this. Like right as it was getting to like crunch time for the MLB yes. negotiations, and everybody exactly. was like, "This is really just like putting the lie to your whole, all of your we're crying poor like nonsense." Like you just have you have money falling out of your pockets, and so yeah, don't. It was
2: the it was the Mr. Burns ceiling caving in. with it is. gold balloons and crowns falling on him. <laughs> yeah, this
1: place is falling <laughs> apart. Is this old place is falling
0: apart. Yeah. <laughs> It's amazing, yeah. I, I think I tweeted this too, but like the the thing I've loved most about the last you know two years is every time the owners are about to cry poor and say we can't pay the players, some media outlet you know blasts out the press release on we just bought an MLB package for a hundred billion dollars or whatever mm-hmm. you know like whether it's mm-hmm. the expanded playoffs on ESPN or. You know, it's the 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 Braves financials coming out in the middle of the lockout negotiations. It's just they can't get out of their own way with this kind of thing and Mm -hmm. just kind of uh, shines a light on the entire situation. All right. A few more questions to get to, because I know we've been really long already. So let's kind of just uh, (laughs) go through these PJ Wessels uh, asking Major League Baseball is back, but for how long? The Brewers may be looking for funding or looking for a new home. I'm keeping my fan gear in the closet for now. Am I overreacting? (laughs) Uh, So Ryan is nodding his head and raising his hand. So I'll just let you take this one, Ryan. Okay, so I've been
1: saying this because this has been in the Journal Sentinel all the time all spring about the fact that the brewers, they're not looking for funding for a new home. They're looking for funding because the uh, sales tax thing sunset, and they're looking for more money for doing upgrades to AmFam Field. And that this is going to come to a head over the, the following decade, and they're going to be looking for more money for this. And my standard response to this has been, I want to put it out there, and I want to like get it so that people see it. But I always say now is not the time, and I I still we're getting to the point where it's the time, but now is still not the time for me anyway to to dig into this. But let's just say that yeah, I'm not going to be very sympathetic about that. So, um, <laughs> that's that's where I'm at. I think that we're we're headed for another big labor uh kerfuffle in five years. That I think is pretty inevitable. I don't think it necessarily will be as bad as this but it might actually be worse like it's i don't know i've i've heard people who are smarter than i know more detail on this they called this the treaty of versailles and those of you who know your history know that that didn't really solve anything it just kicked the can down the road to a much bigger conflict that happened later so i don't know but uh, I, I I, couldn't even begin to hazard a guess where we're going to be in 2027. Hopefully we're all still here. Like at, the, at this point, let's just hope <laughs> we're all still here.
0: In the long run, we're all dead. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> to throw back to the old Brew Crew Ball thing, prospects are just people who haven't died yet. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're all prospects in the end. All right. Mark Podscarby, another one. Can you give us a refresher on the pre-lockout moves since that seems so long ago? And what are we getting with Renfro, Brousseau, and Severino? Uh, Also, don't forget, John Singleton, uh, former Astros legend, also brought into minor league camp. Tyler White, uh, JC Mejia, Trevor Trevor Gott, Rex Brothers, among the other reliever arms there as well. So uh, I think this is a good idea because, hell, I forgot the Brewers had Hunter Renfro for a while, Ryan. (laughs)
1: <laughs> no yeah and thanks I, I put this on here too thanks jr because he did a whole article about this in the js this week to hey yes, remember when all that stuff happened so yeah <laughs> shouts to jr thank you for doing that uh and there's actually been news on the brewery since we wrote this rundown as well they uh, brought back brought back brad boxberger tonight that's as a well. twister yeah it really yeah. is so uh they're they're getting that band back together and that's good uh I think that they've made a number of moves here that are beneficial to them for this season, uh, but they still have a little ways to go. They need a stick. They need a, they need a, an impact bat for someplace in the middle of this lineup, and I don't know that they necessarily have to do that before the trade deadline, but I would feel a lot better if they did. I'd, I'd be a lot happier <laughs> if they brought in a big bat now over the next few weeks as opposed to waiting into the trade deadline, but... We have to remember the Brewers last year when they had a a team that was kind of struggling early and then was getting better and getting better and getting better throughout the season, they went out and invested a lot in the in-season market and, you know, first in Willie Adamas and then bringing in Rowdy Telez, and finally at the deadline, bringing in Eduardo Escobar. They did a lot. And so that points out how much you can do in season. And so I, I, I won't say that they have to do it now, they, they need to do it now. I would like it if they did it now, but there's, there's lots of time for these sorts of things to be done.
2: And they, they do have a good platoon lineup right now. Uh, and I, I do want to mention, uh, first of all, I, I want to mention I hate Hunter Renfro for a specific reason. Um, one of which is that there's a football player also named Hunter Renfro and he is an unathletic slot receiver for the Oakland Raiders who breaks right. all of my projected metrics because he's good, despite not being very good. <laughs> um, but our Hunter Renfro uh, has a, an over 900 OPS against lefties and is a stick in half the game. So um, that's what he brings to the table and should, you know, as we say, play well in uh, Miller Park in his role uh, as a platoon guy who is not helpless against righties. He's actually okay. Um, but uh, he's he's fun. I like Hunter. He's all right. Um, yeah, the rest of the guys, I don't know. I'll leave that to Ryan. But uh, I, I like Hunter Renfro. It's a very Brewer's acquisition. I do seem to recall a
0: previous episode of this podcast uh, referring to the other Hunter Renfro or the good Hunter Renfro. Yeah, and, I'm just do- and- <laughs> I'm
2: doing draft stuff right now. And I, I have like a stat that I made up that I used to evaluate college wide receivers. Rob's. Yeah, yeah. I, I rops and he, he breaks like he doesn't break it, but like he's it hes a big stupid outlier to it because he's not—he wasn't particularly good in college and he didn't test well at the combine. But he's—he is legitimately a good NFL receiver. Yeah, and that yeah, doesn't yeah. Really happen. Like there's like two of them. The one's Jarvis Landry who pulled a hamstring while at the combine, and that's why his athleticism scores suck. So uh, it's annoying. I'm annoyed at the other Hunter Renfro for that.
0: It is Raz score season, which I love. All right. Uh, One last Patreon question. Brady Steinberg asking, if we remember back to 12, 18, 21, I proposed to my girlfriend and the Badgers women's volleyball team won the national title on 3, 10, 22. We got married and baseball's lockout was lifted. I don't want to take all the credit, but I think there's something to this. Uh, So Brady, you're our good luck charm. uh, So thank you also. And he's Going on here, anyway. Who's the most realistic free agent target you would be disappointed if he didn't sign with the Brewers? Uh, considering the Nelson Cruz news, that might be one. <laughs> but uh, Paul, who who do you have that you have your eye on that you'd be kind of bummed if the Brewers didn't land? Uh,
2: this so. I don't get bummed when the Brewers don't land anybody because I'm always just pleasantly surprised when they don't land people. I, I'm always surprised when they land anybody; it's great because they <laughs> they do spread, I mean, they did they do like we have Lorenzo Cain and we bad. have yeah. Um, but um, I didn't think they'd land Cruz. He's not versatile and I'm, he's not their kind of guy. So I, I don't really have one. But I I am fixated on Donovan Solano, who I mentioned the last time that we did a non-labor yep. podcast. So um, I think he would fit in. <laughs> very well with the team, I would very much like to have him on the team. And I think he fits well and will be cheap. So I want that guy. Kyle Schorber's
0: mine, Ryan. How about you?
2: Oh, I mean, if we're going that, I, I love Kyle Yeah, Schupper, that's so, fun. Yeah.
0: I just want fun. I want Chris like Bryant too, but
2: I I didn't want Ryan to yell at me for 10 minutes, so <laughs>
0: <laughs> We're already long. We don't have time for the Chris Bryant discourse. Brian, who but you no,
1: We can maybe do that some other time. We'll see. I, <laughs> I think it's... We're going to have time on that one. Yeah, okay. So first off, I want to say that Brady, props on putting together a wedding in less than four months. No kidding, yeah, no kidding. That's, that's
0: that's the big surprise here. Yeah, that's no kidding. pretty wild. Props.
1: And um, assuming that that wasn't being done for very specific reasons, <laughs> then I would I would Dude. like I would, I would like to say that uh,
0: shotgun end of the lockout. Well, yeah, yeah
1: sometime next December. Uh, or this upcoming December, you need to uh, put in your best effort, if you know what I mean, to ensure Jesus that Christ. to that come next October there is a little baby Steinberg uh, coming into the world to ensure oh that uh, that we have a uh, a World Series title. <laughs> so next uh, think like November December, if you you kind of cross that off on your calendar and go for that, that would be uh, that would be excellent. That would be your way to take one for the team here. And make sure that we get our World Series. So, yeah, bring us a baby
0: Steinberg. (laughs) Oh my God! All right, Uh, you didn't answer his question. Yes, you—you just gave him a command. You didn't answer his question. I just encouraged him to. Opinions are his
2: own and do not necessarily (laughs) reflect the opinions of the MK
0: Tailgate Podcast, et cetera, et cetera. Thank you for the lawyering, Ryan. Answer the damn question, please, and then we can. You Schwarmer. Like, actually, you know what? No,
1: that's that's lame. If we're in that, if we're talking in that market, uh, Conforto, because I've been to Conforto for a while. So that's fair. Conforto. But I mean, I'm not going to be like mad when they don't sign him. So
0: good, because the Brewers probably aren't going to sign anybody. And we're just going to have to deal with it because that's baseball now. They don't have to try to win this division. The Reds just traded Sonny Gray for nothing. So it's going to be, you know, If they're not going to make the playoffs in twelve teams, like they, they have bigger problems. But I still want Kyle Shorbert because he's fun. So yeah, he there's that. All right, uh, we kind of ran out long, so we're going to uh, pass over some of the Twitter questions this week. Sorry to those who, of you who sent Twitter questions. We'll get to them another time if if yep. they're still applicable. I think they're yep. they're they're, they're kind of evergreen, so we'll get to them next week.
2: Yes, we uh, have we have quite a few Patreon subscribers now. Yes, and we do. This- and on reporting is eligible, we tend to run very long on them. So if you do want to get your question answered, go check it out. Because, you know, we've run this podcast for a while. There used to not be a ton of competition for it. Now there is. So, um, you know, if, if that's <laughs> what you care about, it, it only costs you a couple bucks. It's in your best interest. Go, go over there and do it. Get you on rae too. Um, but uh, such is the price of trying to get our attention on Twitter. Th- there you go it just bribe us
0: to get your question answered is basically what paul's saying there mm-hmm. we also give a shout out to the kind patrons who who throw money our way ryan who do we have this week who's kind of joined the ranks yeah we have three people well <laughs> we'll get there so <laughs> we, have, we have jeff
1: augustine who thank you for giving <laughs> us a full real name um we also have as previously mentioned already on this uh podcast we have john just john just, just, john. just, john. just john so thank you to uh to uh Jeff, Augustine, and just John for joining, and also to Late Comer, who just signed up tonight right before we were recording, and uh, I looked back and noticed that, oh, uh, Morgoth 10, I can't even even keep a straight face, Morgoth 10, thank you to Morgoth 10 for joining the fold here, and uh, that is definitely a screen name, because we saw your actual name on the email side of things, but we're we're not doxing people here, that's not our policy, so
2: we like yeah. the token reference well done
0: yes yes absolutely and and as we were kind of joking about before we started if it if it's a a, a screen name that we're not familiar with it's probably a football one right Paul so it's probably <laughs> one of yours as we well, say uh, always our assumption but never can be sure now so uh more golf 10. Please send us a question uh, and and we'll get that answered as well. Uh, as always, of course, we would also appreciate it, even if you're not a patron, if you leave us a review and a rating for this podcast. And as promised, Paul will read literally anything you write in the review if you give yeah. us five stars. And I yeah. think we've got someone testing this theory yeah, yeah. from what you've Re- said.
2: Regretting that right now. Um, I, I am, I'm I I'm going to choose to do this with a bad British accent just so I can get <laughs> it. Oh my God. Just so I can just so I can get it out. Just so um, we're clear, Paul didn't tell us what this was. Right. We asked, asked him not uh, to, actually. No, so we could hear wait, it in real time. So this is a
0: surprise to us too. So uh, so Paul, go ahead.
2: Ben Kiefer left this on Friday. Appreciate the five-star Ben. Well done. Um, I don't appreciate the words you wrote, but such is life. <laughs> promises are promises, and I'm a man of my word, so here we go. Um <sighs> pee pee poo poo butt butt i have so much poop in my pants it's crazy there is so much i can't even stand up oh my god please help me get this poop out of my pants on a cleaner note great podcast keep it up (laughs) <laughs> thanks, <laughs> thanks ben anyway well that was inevitable
1: you, like we we can at least it cross was. that one it off took now a,
2: it took a long time so anyway I if mean. you have it if you leave us a five star review on itunes um or whatever it's called apple podcast and um and write anything i'll read it which i just proved um <laughs> but the five stars help a lot so go for it
0: don't care uh yeah that uh, that that's great um so yeah, that that's the deal. Five stars. Paul read it, even if it's about poo poo or whatever. Uh, he will read it. So thank you so much for that five star review. <laughs> uh, you can <laughs> you can do that yourself over at uh, Apple Podcasts, as Paul mentioned. Also hit that subscribe button, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Casts wherever else you get the podcast from just hit that subscribe button. You'll get that push alert. When uh, Ryan posts these every single week, uh, we were in long, but we're happy baseball's back. So uh, by the time we do this spring, tender games will be on the horizon or being played. Uh, hopefully nobody dies or gets hurt. And uh, cause that would kind of be a brewers thing to happen. Uh, so, you know, Zach Wheeler's shoulder already acting up. So maybe not, uh, for Corbin Burns, we'll we'll keep our fingers crossed there. But how dare you even <laughs> put that a, into the world, James? Yeah, you no know, kidding. I'm you I'm just doing? I'm the type where I say it and it doesn't happen. So that's what I'm doing, All right. using our reverse Fine. psychology juju here on on Milwaukee's tailgate to to kind of reverse jinx that if you will. So uh, fingers crossed there. But uh, as always, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, We will see you here next week on Milwaukee's Tailgate with actual baseball to talk about.
1: I'm a child. I am a a big dumb child.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh my God. That's awesome.